the leadership muscle is a completely different muscle. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience, 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know, to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader. Hello, everyone. This is Ed Epley, and welcome once again to the Ed Epley Experience, your opportunity to learn from other people who have been in successful, sustainable businesses, and they've either been an owner or a president or executive or perhaps an investor. But one thing they have in common is that they've run successful, sustainable businesses. And today's guest is going to help us talk more about the idea of developing talent and especially high potential talent. I've been around this gentleman. I've watched him do this. And so I felt he would be someone we'd want to hear from. And I'm sure you'll agree as we uh, get into this conversation. A little bit of background about this guy. He's extremely thoughtful. He is also very strategic. When he does his work, he thinks about the consequences that will have for not only his part of the organization, but others. And the other part I really respect about him is his willingness to take appropriate risks. I've, I've watched him do some things that had potentially negative consequences that could have gone along with him, but he still was willing to take a, a gamble on it because he knew it was the right thing in, in his mind to do for the organization. So I think that's a that kind of courage is lacking by a lot of executives in today's world, and I've seen him exhibit it. So I thought you'd, you'd want to hear his opinion about developing talent. He is the chief legal officer for Nationwide Insurance, Mark Howard, welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks, Ed. Thanks for those kind words. Well, they were easy to utter. I've, I've, I've experienced it, so I, I wasn't reading anybody's view of you other than my own. I probably should do full disclosure. We have a disproportionate number of Ohio State Buckeye fans on, and, and let's, just, let's just be honest. That's not where your allegiance lies, Mark. <laughs> you have to come clean. You're a Baylor, you're a Baylor bear deep oh, in your Ed, heart. Oh, come on. I, <laughs> I, I will support the Buckeyes except when they play the Baylor Bears. <laughs> I think I think you've said that more than once. I mean, as well as you as that was very polished the way you handled that. Well, let's talk about talent. Nationwide has always had an I think an unfair share of talent relatively speaking. I'm curious about from your point of view. That's not been by accident, but w- when did that start at Nationwide? When did they do you have a sense of, has that always been something that the organization has put an emphasis on? It is, Ed. Certainly as long as I've been at Nationwide, I've been there for about six years, and it has always been important and a significant ingredient in the overall culture of the company, of which a subset, I would say, is developing the people. Our CEO, Kurt Walker, says people first, and he says it often. And He actually puts the actions behind the words. Our head of uh, human resources, Vanita Clements, leads that talent strategy, and it's something that we are purposeful about. So it's not an accident. And as far as, as long as I've been with Nationwide, they have been very good in that space. Is the strategy that you've, I've watched you employ, has that been your strategy? Has that been Nationwide's strategy? I'm curious about where that, what's your thinking has been and where that came from? 
Sure. It's a little bit of both because certainly the tactics that we employ in my area are ones that are endorsed and have a framework that's embedded within our company's culture. Having said that, we're all a result of the experiences that we've had. Mm -hmm. And much of my career was spent in another organization that also had significant value system that served the military, USAA. And so I had an opportunity to watch some leaders there as well and in other places that I have had the good fortune of being in my career. And so it's an assimilation of all of the above and cornered, though, in the nationwide approach, supplemented, you might say, with my own experiences. If, if I ask you to guesstimate how much of your time is spent on development of people, could you even hazard a guess? I'd probably say 15 to 20 percent. That's a fairly high number. But to your point, many of the actions that we take, many of the purposeful meetings that we may schedule, activities, a lot of them do find their root within the development of our talent base, making sure that we have the best and that those that are in the seats have the opportunity to be their best self within the organization. So it, it does play a fairly significant part of my time. In the uh, organizations that are of the size of Nationwide that I've been around, most of them have been pretty diligent about reviewing their talent. That's, there's, there's been a pretty rigorous cycle that, that tends to happen annually about, okay, who are our people? Let's, let's have some kind of stacking and racking of those, those people. And then to talk about what we're going to do to help each of them get to another level of performance. But I, I've never heard it. I don't believe in our conversations that that we've talked about much other than it's happened. I know, I know it's happened, but I'm not sure the mechanics of it. Do, Do you mind? Are you able to share with us the mechanics of the, the process that nationwide uses to evaluate talent? Sure. Every year, we sit down with our HR business partners and the senior leadership team of the department that I have the fortune of leading, uh, the chief legal office, which includes legal compliance, governance, uh, as well as our corporate citizenship and our government relations. So all of that uh, is within the department. And we sit down usually in the first quarter of every year and we map out exactly the activities for the rest of the year that are that have a talent focus on it. We have s- several scheduled events where we actually go through, you use the phrase rack and stack, and there's a little bit of that that goes on in the sense that we will look at folks at different levels and uh, have an opportunity to share experiences because Oftentimes, the leader of that individual hasn't received as much feedback as they could or should. And when they do, uh, it can be very enlightening. And it also highlights to that leader the areas that they probably need to work with that particular associate to move them forward. So we do that several times a year. And then we do have a purposeful exercise in the second half of the year where we actually go through a succession planning chart that goes uh, about too deep. In other words, we'll, we'll look at each of our immediate leaders that are my direct reports, and we'll talk a lot about the people that might be candidates to succeed them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that will end up in a discussion that goes another layer deep, because usually if you move someone into one seat, it starts a domino effect, and 
we do give that some thought. So we do that as well each year. And then I take that information along with our HR business partner. And then at the C-suite level, we have a separate discussion in the fourth quarter of every year that is very similar in nature. We go through each one of the leaders and we talk a lot about the people that could succeed them and any others in the department. And this is important that we believe warrant some form of special focus. Mm -hmm. They may not be a potential successor, but they're someone that other senior leaders have identified could use a particular form of development to make them even greater contributors. So the focus that I wanted today was principally on high potential talent. So I could have high potential and not necessarily be viewed in a for a C-suite role, but I still, that wouldn't necessarily take me off of the high potential conversation. Am I correct? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And in fact, we do have very purposeful conversations in my department. And then we do it, as I said, among the C-suite group, where we talk about individuals that may or may not be candidates for certain succession spots at the most senior level, but yeah. for which we believe need to have some form of targeted development. Yeah. How often is the development of high potentials very similar in nature? And how often is it essentially unique to every individual? And and what I need as a high potential person A versus high potential B is going to be, you know, apples and oranges. I'm I'm curious about whether there's themes about what high potential people need more than, you know, in general than others, or or if it's everyone's totally unique. So again, I think it's a little bit of a mix. At uh, Certainly within Nationwide, we have a variety of leadership development programs that I would label as fairly core. Yep. They're not unique to any particular discipline. And we usually try to make sure that we put people that we would identify as high potential through some of those leadership development courses. So in that sense, it's fairly uniform. But also, there is very much a tailored approach where each individual could have very different development activities. And that's where the discussions are very much in a place where they bear fruit often. How, I'm, I'm going to use the term blind spots. Most high potentials have some blind spot that if they don't address, that will probably be a, not necessarily a derailer, but it will help more likely cause them to stall, not to p- progress as quickly as they might otherwise. So do you say most high potentials very open to discussing their blind spots or does it have to be done the right way by the right person at the right time? I'm curious about what your experience has been with that. Well, one of the things we do is we try to cultivate a culture within both the company, but certainly within our department, where I am very open in my remarks. And I think the direct reports that I have also are very open that we encourage conversations both at the annual review time. We also have a mid-year review time. Those are two very natural touch points. But also throughout the year, I very much encourage that there be solid and strong one-on-one conversations so that it's a continuous dialogue. I have found in my experience that most individuals, they may not like to hear some of those feedback points But at the long run, the ones that are genuinely wanting to improve, frankly, thirst for it. They Mm -hmm. they want you to tell them that because, candidly, they want the formula for how do I progress. And if they're smart, they know they need to hear the good and the bad. 
and create those as opportunities for progress. I'm smiling. The audience can't see this, obviously, because this is only audio, but I'm smiling as Mark described that, because as I think of a couple of the hypos that you've had on your team, have on your team that you've been working with, the ones who have made the most progress, the and I would say in the shortest amount of time, have, you know, not necessarily liked the feedback, but that I know you've given them, but but they've responded to it. They've utilized it and they've worked on it. So that that's that's not surprising to hear you say what you've said. How much of how much of my growth as a high potential is on me versus you or the company as my boss? I'm curious about what who owns what part of this. My answer to that would be it's a shared responsibility. I think you have to own your career. You you know, that's a phrase we often hear and I think that that's true. You have to own your career. But I think particularly, and I am finding it with with our recent college graduates and and our younger associates, that there is a greater expectation that my employer is going to help me identify ways to develop. And we take that seriously. And we uh, we I know I personally make it a responsibility of mine with my directs at a minimum and, and frankly, the department as a whole, but certainly with my directs at a minimum, that I have some responsibility to ensure they are better prepared for whatever a next step might look like. And it may not be the same that they walk in thinking is a next step. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, those are where the most productive dialogues tend to occur. But I consider it partly, certainly in my job, I consider one of my most important duties to the company is to prepare the next generation of leadership. And they may not all, in fact, they for sure won't all be in my immediate area. Right. They'll oftentimes be in other parts of the company. Well, that that begs the question about somebody who wants to develop and you know either because you and the other person have had this conversation or your instincts tell you such that they're destined to end up somewhere other than nationwide. So how does that change your willingness to invest in their development when, when you know, this person is not a lifer for the organization? They're, they're not, they're not here forever, either because they're so talented that they're going to get recruited away or because you know that their passion may, maybe it's not to be with a nationwide, maybe it's to start their own company, for example. I'm just curious about how you, you handle those kinds of development challenges. Well, I think it always comes with the quality of the one-on-one conversation. If somebody is open enough that they're, they actually are sending signals that way, then obviously representing nationwide, I'm going to try to figure out, is there a mechanism or something that would satisfy their appetite within the walls of nationwide? But I'm always very open when I have a fairly deep conversation with somebody on their career that many of the skill sets that we're going to do with an effort towards benefiting their leadership skills at Nationwide, that the truth be told, they will benefit them wherever they could potentially end up. And if somebody were to tell me they want to go to company X and it's truly in their best interest, then I'm always willing to to help them in that regard. But obviously, my first priority is going to be to try to ensure that they are at their optimum at Nationwide, of course. Well, I can think of a couple of people in your organization, but more clearly, and some other folks I know in, in Nationwide, that 
their timeline for when they would want to have achieved a certain level, maybe a C-suite position, something like that, doesn't match up with the frequency of opportunity at a company like Nationwide because you don't, you're not growing at 20% annually, which creates these natural opportunities for people to progress vertically. So, so how do you temper somebody's expectations when they want to grow? They want to elevate faster than the organization's in a position to promote. Well, again, I think it's a reality check you have to have with that associate. And you're going to share your views. They may differ. But oftentimes, we'll have data. We'll have inputs, whether it's through 360s, whether it's through other forms of mentor-mentee relationships. And we do all of the above. We have multiple points where that associate, if their expectations are not totally in a line, uh, with where you see them, then you just have to have the conversation and you may have to agree to disagree, but obviously we're going to want them to remain engaged. Otherwise, that's when you would have a candid conversation that maybe your interests are lie better elsewhere and we'll be supportive if somebody is in that position. But more often than not, I would say when folks are in that scenario, if they do an honest introspection, they usually end up staying put. And there are times we're able to identify other positions within the organization that keep them fully engaged and you know, wanting to stay put with the company. How often are people able to move laterally within the organization? And I mean, to leave it functionally, the OCLO, Office of Chief Legal Officer, and, and, and leave the legal side of the business and move into some other part of nationwide. Is that something that can be done, is done? I'm just curious about what the appetite is for the organization to, you know, encourage that or explore that. It absolutely can be done and it absolutely is done periodically. I would say most of the cross-functional opportunities that are presented tend to be within our area, but they may be in different places. So for example, I can... I know one that has moved from legal over to an external affairs role. We have folks that we just had a move, as as you're familiar with. Uh, Our chief compliance officer retired not too long ago, and we very seamlessly moved a leader out of the legal function into that. And I could keep going on with examples. But we are very purposeful about that. And I guess if I were to leave those listening with any one point, it's that talent development does not happen by accident mm-hmm. and it doesn't happen just through the day-to-day events. It happens usually because there are mechanisms in place to facilitate those rich opportunities for the right discussions to occur. And when that happens, then then good things can transpire. People's careers can be very positively affected in ways that they never walked in thinking it would be. I'm going to change gears a bit here. If you look back at your career, and let's say, I don't want to cast any dispersions about your age, but it's, it's, it exceeds 20 years <laughs> that you've been in business. <laughs> so if you look back at your career, which one individual has had the most profound effect in your development as a high potential? And I'm more concerned about not who it was, but what did she or he do that had that profound effect on you in in bringing out some of your best potential? 
I would say, and I'm I'm not going to leave it to one, there were probably two that I would say had the most impact, and they came at it from two very different angles. One was one of the strongest people leaders that I've had the pleasure of working with that was from an employer that, as I mentioned earlier, focused on the military. And his ability to put people first was extraordinary. And I see some of those same characteristics in our current CEO at Nationwide. And those have been great role models for me and have helped me in how I model what I do every day. So I would I would point them out. The other would be a former boss who had some of those tough discussions with me. And there were times he took me aback with some of the remarks that he would make, and some of them stung pretty bad. But I have to say, many years later, they were very much on point. So I think I'm a better leader today because of some of those very difficult conversations. I'm trying to think about how to word this. Does this individual know the impact that they've had on you? I'd like to believe they know some of it. That individual is one of the first to congratulate me when I got my current role. Uh, And I have to believe he felt fairly satisfied because uh, he clearly gave me the tough love at very critical moments of the career. And the end result was largely to prepare me for the kind of things I'm doing right now at Nationwide. So uh, I think he knows. How long ago, how long ago was that interaction when, when that, when, when he gave you that, that those tough, words to uh, hear. It's probably been 15, 12 to 15 years ago. Okay. And now, now, since you deal with, let's just say, disproportionately lawyers, there's, that's a huge number of people with whom you interact in, in, in nationwide. Those are your, they fall under your purview. Do you find that they're any less or more interested in development than people in other functions of business? Do you think the fact that they're attorneys and lawyers makes them either more or less interested in development? I think the general nature of lawyers is such that they are high achievers. And because of that, I would almost say they may be more interested in moving up than the general population. Having said that, I will I will talk to a feature that really would be true, whether it's lawyers whether it's finance professionals, whether it's IT professionals, I see this problem time and time again, and it's one worth pointing out. Oftentimes, an individual will see success as, I'm going to be the best fill-in-the-blank tax accountant. I'm going to be the very best insurance lawyer. And they achieve a very high degree of technical success, and they move up for a while, and they may be moving up very fast, actually. And the question obviously becomes, what's next? And there comes a point where what what's, feels like it should be next is leading a group of individuals. And just by our org charts, we tend to, we tend to bias that direction, mm-hmm. that your next move up a ladder ends up being managing people. Right. And I can't tell you how many times... I have seen in the leadership roles I've been, and I've, I've had some unfortunate circumstances that I've always not feel, felt great about, where either I did it or I watched somebody else do it, promote a very high subject matter expert into a leadership role that, frankly, they were not prepared for, and number two, candidly, did not at that point in time have the talent for, but it was the next place on the ladder. 
And then you watch that individual struggle because, candidly, they're not the same skills. And particularly in the professional areas, whether, like I said, it's legal, whether it's finance, I've seen this in the investment space quite a bit, that people will be superstars with their subject matter expertise. That is one particular muscle, I'm going to call it. The leadership muscle is a completely different muscle. Some have it, some don't. But not being cognizant of that in the talent development process can be fatal, both individually as well as for a company. And so one of the things that I do talk to folks about when they're at that critical juncture and they're knocking on the door and saying, golly gee, why am I not getting promoted? I'm ready. You know, I've done this, that, and the other. And the next level really is a people management one, and they're assuming that's where they need to go. Then we usually have a conversation about what would be the development tactics we should deploy to figure out whether you are a people leader. Let's not leave this to chance. And so we'll go through some exercises. I'll oftentimes put them on projects or I'll find other mechanisms to try to see if they have the people leadership muscle. But it's done not only for me, but it's done for them, too, because they need to see if they have it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the best exercise can be a self-realization. I may not be so good at this. And it helps them move forward more productively as to what a next step looks like. And sometimes that next step is an individual leadership type role that's simply more advanced yeah. than where they are. Yeah. Well, and, and we have a saying in the world in which I tend to operate that when the student's ready, the teacher will appear, essentially by putting them in a situation where they they struggle with these leadership skills for, for lack of the muscle being developed, they come to that conclusion in a far more productive way than if they are told that they lack it. They, they come to the realization that, okay, I can't do this, and, and, and it's their idea rather than somebody else's, and that's so critical to most most people learning, they have to believe that it's that they're they're not good at something, even if they thought they were. I love I love your I love your advice about that, and I love your approach on that. I do find that the higher you go in organizations, especially where people are highly trained, they oftentimes confuse skill with educational accomplishment. And as as a result of having been able to successfully pass tests, standards compliance, things of that nature, there's a there's an assumption because I'm good at all these other things that I can do these things that are not necessarily as quantifiable, which, as you know, oftentimes are the difference between success or failure. I can't believe it, but we've we've come up against our timeline pretty much already. So I always try to end these conversations, Mark, with asking you to boil down everything you've talked about to one thing. So if if, if you were going to tell another CEO, another C-suite officer, that if there was only one thing that they were going to do in order to be more successful at developing their high potential talent, what would that one thing be? Be very purposeful. Don't leave it to chance and take the approach of people first. To your point about the investment of time, I think that is telling. I think I'd love to go back and do my own self-analysis. I'd be curious what it would look like. But thematically, my hope would be it would be the highest thing on the list if you added it all up, that they were all people-related activities, because that's where I believe I should be spending my time and where other 
senior leaders should. So don't make it an accident, make it purposeful, put people first, and encourage folks to expand their horizons because I think you walk in with an idea of this is what I'm supposed to do. And oftentimes people should be doing or expand to other things. Those would be the things I would put out there. Thank you, Mark. He's Mark Howard, Chief Legal Officer for Nationwide Insurance. He's a good man. I could certainly tell you that there's a lot of executives at companies of the size of Nationwide I have a great deal of respect for, but I'd never want to work for. I think I could work for Mark Howard. You're, you're that kind of person. I really think you bring a lot of the intangibles to a very difficult position that would make it attractive to work underneath you. And, and I mean that very sincerely. Mark, if people have questions that may want to reach out to explore or ask you questions, is there a better way for them to reach you that that would be okay? Would you welcome it, first of all, if they had questions? Sure. I'm happy to give out my email. It's H-O-W-A-R-M-4 at nationwide.com. Thank you. And I welcome the conversation. I hope we'll have another one soon, Mark. It's always a pleasure. You make me think, and I know you're an expert at growing people. So thanks for sharing with our audience today your your opinions and thoughts about high potential talent. Thanks. Always good to be with you, Ed. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's theepleygroup.com. Plus, take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills. 